Welcome to the 62nd edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on the Monday evening immediately after Arsenal's 1-all FA Cup home draw with Leeds United, two days before the team travelled to Ipswich Town for the first leg of the Carling Cup semi-final. This podcast is sponsored by the website for all your most stylish Arsenal t-shirts, GUNASHIRTS.COM I'm your host, David Udo, and we have established a little consistency in our panel selection by retaining two of our last recording sessions trio. First up, the man who, after the Spurs defeat, emailed us to state that Arsene Wenger could go and do one. It's Mr Mark Arlington. Hello. Secondly, editor of the Gooner, hoping to update his book, Arsenal, The Making of a Modern Super Club, available from Vision Sports Publishing now, I believe. But anyway, uh, with a fresh chapter explaining how the team pulled off a miraculous title win in just a few months' time, it's Mr Kevin Witcher. Good evening, listeners. And last, but by no means least, the return of an old friend. In our attempts to take rotation policy to its ultimate extreme, a former host of this here podcast is trying his hand at being one of the panel. As he's been marooned in Japan for more time than we care to remember, it'll be interesting to hear if his take on all matters Arsenal. And if not, then he'll soon be on the other side of the microphone. Mm. It's welcome back and konnichiwa to Mr Joe Broadfoot. Konnichiwa, everyone. I can't (laughs) say everyone in Japanese. So (laughs) So guys, it's his sound, isn't it? Mm, oh, like oh here he comes, <laughs> Rio Miyachi, <laughs> live and breathe. So, to sort of give us some context, since our last recording, you know, when Mark called for the head of our manager as soon as, uh, as, soon as possible, with the team has played partisan Belgrade, an uninspiring victory, Manchester United, a less inspiring defeat, and then we beat Chelsea, and then we chew with Wigan, then we beat Birmingham. Then we somehow conspired to draw with Leeds uh, and Manchester City. Mark, last time the glass was very, very much half empty. Have you topped up over Christmas? It's slightly increased. The um, gas tank has got a bit more fuel inside it, David. And I'm chugging down the motorway at 60 miles an hour. But I'm not speeding, I'm not in the fast lane. I'm very much on the inside still. Because whilst it is looking better... Whilst, you know, we beat that, had that miraculous, fantastic and inspiring win against Chelsea, the fact of the matter remains we shoot ourselves in the foot still. Wigan, to all, it shouldn't be happening. Man City, who put the proverbial ten men behind the ball, but how many chances did we carve? A barrage could we score? No. And Leeds, how we failed to beat that team, now we almost got beaten, is beyond me. So whilst there's been inspiring moments, whilst I've been happy at times, still I'm not at full mast. <laughs> well, I don't think that was quite the question I asked, Mark, but, but thank you for the insight. Um, I hope you got some pipe cleaners for Christmas. Kev, um, you're, you're reading your, uh, your editorials on, uh, on onlineguna.com and in the last two issues of The Guna. Um, Dare I say that there's an air of optimism coming out of you, probably inspired by your sojourn to the Canaries over the new year. I mean, I mean, how do you think, since the, the, the most awful capitulation I've seen by an Arsenal team in living memory against Spurs, I mean, we seem to have picked things up, but where, where are you at the moment? Well, I'm, I'm living in hope, uh, David, um, because it is possible. You know, I know, having seen the game against Chelsea and having seen the performance against Birmingham, that the players, um, when Arsenal picks his strongest eleven, have enough in them to win this title. You know, there, there is the actual basic ability there to be the best team in this country. Uh, partially because, you know, we, we are all, you know, honest about this. The the main rivals are having tough seasons. I mean, everyone has said United, despite the fact that they could actually match our unbeaten season. 
are getting away with a lot of results. You know, they're, they're playing pretty average football and, and still racking up the points. So that in a sense, are they going to suddenly improve? You know, I suspect, or I hope, anyway, I'm an optimistic hat. I'm hoping they won't. I'm hoping that actually reality will dawn and they will start dropping more points that they actually deserve to. And it is a title that is there for the taking. Now, you know, I've got to put a caveat here. In 2008 and 2010, there were periods when I thought Arsenal could win this title and should win this title, and they blew it. Now, we've all been burnt before, but, you know, it's, it's like a goddamn relationship. You move on to the next one, you're always living in hope. So, <laughs> on that level, once again, I'm prepared to be a sucker and think it could actually be our season, even if it's only because the other teams are so bad. Who cares? You know, bottom line is, history will record who won the title. They won't be saying it's because the other teams are crap. They would just be saying the best team that year was... Now, it could be Arsenal if, number one, they can get the best players on the field for most of the games, and number two, mentally, they can carry it through. Um, the, 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 the real only significant change that needs to happen is that the defence does need to tighten up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I'm sure we'll get on to that. Kev mirroring the uh, Jeremy Kyle housewife there. Why do you study with him, Penny? Because I love him, Jeremy. Because I love him. Joe, when did you actually uh, set foot back in Blighty? And uh, what games have you seen since then? I've seen pretty much all the games since I came back. I got back about December the 15th. And um, I've actually caught up because I signed on to Arsenal Online. <laughs> and I caught up on all the footage I missed. I didn't miss that much because I was checking out the goals mm -hmm. as best I could online from Japan. But, um, yeah, I try and keep up to date with stuff. And quite honestly, my... My criticism of the team is what it's always been. Where is the goalkeeper? What can you win without a proper goalkeeper? Fabianski has had a couple of good games, from what I can gather, but not much more than that. That doesn't make him a great goalkeeper. He still makes mistakes, and he still looks tiny. He's a, he must be, what, six foot three, six foot four. But I was behind the goal for the Chelsea game. He looked minute compared to Peter Cech. He looked minute, and he's got no presence. And I'm sorry... People get angry with me about this, but Fabianski, from the moment I first saw him playing goal, it was against Barnet in a pre-season friendly game, he was awful. He's one of the worst goalkeepers I've ever seen at the club, and I can't accept him as a number one. Even Almunia, and I know how much you hate him, Dave, even Almunia is just a step up from Fabianski. You but, leave Galatasaray's number one alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'd like to see him go to Galatasaray or anywhere but Arsenal. But it's, it's not acceptable. I, don't, I think Arsene Wenger seems to be carrying out some, some bizarre experiment to win the league with a rubbish goalkeeper. Because, quite <laughs> honestly, I've never known a team to win, win the league with a poor goalkeeper, as poor as what we've got at Arsenal. You know, apart from the youngster, you know, the... Um, was it Wojciech? Wojciech uh, Chisney. I can't say it as well as you, Dave, but he... He is a class keeper, so why doesn't he play him? I, I don't understand how he can retain his patience watching Fabianski in goal, who's, as I said, from my, from my view, he's only had a couple of good games in his whole Arsenal career so far. And Almunia, obviously, he's not going to play again for Arsenal, that's the way it seems, and he's get, getting these mysterious injuries. I just don't understand why Arsene Wenger doesn't address this, this problem. It's a fundamental problem and it's so easy to solve. And then there was all this stuff over the summer which drove me nuts with Schwarzer. He was going to come in. And then what happened? 
We, we even came out and declared that we were interested in this goalkeeper, and then we didn't get him. So is Fulham suddenly a bigger club than Arsenal? I mean, these sort of things have been driving me nuts all summer, so I'm, I'm sorry it's all coming out in a rush now. Obviously, over the last, sort of last three months, Manuel Almunu has lost his place in the team, and, and uh, I think we, we all accept now that, that Wukash Fabianski is now our first-choice goalkeeper. I mean, I mean, Mark, what do you make of the, the goalkeeping situation? I mean, I mean, there seems to be less of a clamour around the, uh, the Guna fan base over the last couple of months yeah. for a new keeper. I'm afraid I can't be as harsh as Joe. And whilst I don't think Fabianski will ever be a world-class keeper, I do actually think now he's got a run of games... He's become a decent premiership keeper and probably more decent than our Spanish incompetent actually was. And having said that, the times you have seen Chesney, he has looked the part. But don't forget, he's still young. And I think at the moment, Fabianski number one, Chesney number two, I'm happy with that. And I do think Fabianski is good enough to win the league with. When I look at the keepers, and let's go back to, the, go back to Kev's points of other teams not being as good this year, Peter Cech aside, who's not the keeper he perhaps once was, Van der Sar makes a lot of mistakes for Man United now. Um, I think Joe Hart's probably the best keeper out of the top four or five clubs. But I don't think Fabianski's that far off Van der Sar. And I think, actually, he's not going to be the one that's going to stop us winning the League. If anything, it's our central defence because we've only got two fit players at the moment. But I'm quite happy with the goalkeeping situation. And I've got no doubt that Chesney will be our keeper for years and years to come. The guy's bonkers. He's a mentalist. I really like him. Can I just interject here? I wanted to say that a lot of people were saying the central defence is a problem. But if you're playing in front of a goalkeeper you don't trust, as a central defender, you're not going to play your best. So I think the problem lies in the goalkeeping position, which everyone pretty much identified. And suddenly, Arsene Wenger, because he keeps picking this guy, we've sort of we got used to his foibles, if you like. We've got used to the fact he's going to drop the ball That's sometimes. That's a bit harsh, Joe. I can't think of a bad game he's had in the last 10 games. He's been pretty oh, flawless. He's been well, when, when he came into the team, a friend of mine remarked that what Fabianski doesn't need five brilliant games. He needs 20 very, very ordinary games. And mm. that's it. I mean, the nature of a good goalkeeper is the same as a good referee. You don't notice they're, they're, they're there. Kev, I mean, me, Kev are... Our uh, distinguished editor and provider of um, Chinese delicacies here on a Monday evening in, uh, in the whatever community centre we're in. Uh, and I are now neighbours at uh, Ashburton Grove uh, owing to um, a family issue uh, in the Udo household. And, um, we haven't seen much great football since we started sitting together in fairness. But uh, I don't think at any point we've been particularly harsh on the goalkeeper, have we, Kev? Uh, no, because uh, as a rule... Um he hasn't made huge howlers. He did. He could have stopped the set piece goal Chelsea scored, but and we don't really focus on that because yeah. we won the game. Um, I think the worst calamity very recently was the second uh, Wigan goal, where he went walkabout, um, was caught in the middle of nowhere, leading to the Scalacci own goal. So you know there is certainly an argument that. A better keeper would have got us a couple more points um, here or there, but generally, um, you know, the dropped points aren't a result of his errors, as was the case against Newcastle and with Almunia in goal against West Brom. So um, a run of games has helped the guy. It's, it's obviously what he needed. Um, he's not top top class. If you really want to make the team as good as it possibly can be, and you've got the money then you buy better. Um, whether or not the club have got money is obviously a point of debate. 
but I think most supporters now are looking at central defence as the area where um, we probably need strengthening and some of them are looking a little bit further forward and just saying well in midfield is Alex Song enough in terms of stopping the opposition what happens if Song gets injured um, so you know there are weaknesses in the team which they could get away with if everyone stays fit specifically Juru in the unlikely event where Marlin comes back the picture gets a lot rosier but even Juru and Koscielny can work much as I don't rate Koscielny as a central defender because of his lack of ability in the air and, and lack of physical strength uh, in the challenge we could we could just about get away with it if the forwards are on fire and the goals are going in. So you know it's a bit of a tightrope walk, but I don't I don't single out Fabianski as the weakest link if you like. I think it's it's actually more of a team thing now. It's about the whole team gelling in terms of attitude, commitment. Partially we'll get onto I'm sure the reason Arshavin has been dropped. Um, you know you can do great things if you've got team spirit. And if that can develop with a series of results over the next few weeks, then the team are in a great position to challenge and, and could actually do something. You know, they've, they've been in that position before. They haven't done it. But, you know, a couple of years down the line, maybe they've learned something. Time will tell. Plenty of things to pick up there on, on, on from Kev's comments. Um, I was, was going to leave it until a little bit later in this issue of the podcast. But, I mean, the nature of football is... We all love a bit of speculation. We spend um, most of September through to the end of the calendar year waiting for the, uh, the transfer window. And, and now that we're here, with, uh, with Sebastian Scalacci set to be out for uh, <coughs> a few weeks, which of course in Arsenal medical parlance means forever, uh, and Thomas Vermaelen's heel or septum injury showing no signs of ever clearing up, and it looks as though we're set to <laughs> dig into the transfer market. So... Should we really be looking for a defender who couldn't hack it at Villa or Sheffield United and who's valued by, uh, by Bolton at £20 million? A German who's Champions League cup-tied? Soul bloody Campbell. Hey, Soul man! Soul back. If he comes back, if he comes back again, does he get the match ball? You know? or, uh, or should we be casting our net a little wider? Joe, we obviously, look, we obviously need to buy a centre-half and it looks as though the manager will dip into the £60-plus million pounds he's got burning a hole in his skyrocket. Um, who would you like to see come in as uh, in the centre defence? You looking for a first choice or someone to come in and uh, tide things over until TV fives back? As strange as it may sound, I wouldn't be against Sol Campbell coming back. Can we get Steve Ashford next time? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Oh no, go on. No, because there's there's no centre backs out there that I particularly want Arsenal to sign. There's no one. What about Murtasaka? Yeah, but we're not going to sign Murtasaka. Why not? Because realistically, do you think Arsene Wenger is going to spend the necessary amount of money to bring him in? Well, this comes down to questions of ambition, and I think a signing of that sort would be the equivalent of signing Arshavin uh, two years mm, ago. Yeah, I do agree. Of making a statement, major which is, you know, that on occasion we need to actually buy someone who's established and proven quality who will improve the team. Um, which is exactly what Arshavin did uh, initially. And, um, I mean, that was a terrible season and we would already lost the league by the time he signed. He was signed for other reasons. However, 
what happens is in this January window could determine what does happen in the title race for Arsenal. And the one thing I think uh, would boost a team is an experienced defender who has been there and bought the T-shirt. Now, whether or not you think that should be Gary, Gar- Gary Carhill because he's played in the Premier League or Mertesacker... Um, obviously hasn't but then again he's played at such a high level you'd have thought he could cope with what he's going to get from other teams visiting Arsenal um, for me Mertesacker is the obvious choice you know go for him he's, he's more or less available as far as I understand it's just so why do we wait till the to the end of the transfer deadline to make our move that's because we're negotiating we're yeah. like trying to get the best possible price we almost didn't get our shit yeah. because mm. of that I think it'd be different this season though I think if it's re- you know, Skyhue isn't going to come back for eight weeks and the model is, you know he, he can't come back then we're going to know with so many games <laughs> in January Surely we can't cope with two centre-halves. And we can't play Song there for sure, that many games. So he's got to move quickly. Uh, I, I agree completely. I mean, I mean, who do you want? I mean, it seems to me that although Mertzaka is the, the logical choice, this could be where Wenger does a Jeffers and spuffs £16 million on Phil Jagielka. Mm. Do you know what? And you know he could play in goal, actually. I've seen Jagielka in goal, and he's far better than Femi. Yeah, well, that's the goalkeeping crisis sorted. I don't the thing with Sol Campbell is, Joe, he can't get in Newcastle's team. I know he's only played six games, but that's not the point. It, 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 it kind it, of is the point. Is he fresh? <laughs> Has any but he fits into the Arsenal Ever signed team. three times for <laughs> Arsenal? No. Somehow. No, I don't think anyone's... But Luke, nobody's nobody's sold on that so, idea, I know that. Sol He'd be the first player to sign three times. But you must admit he did much better in his last spell at Arsenal than most people expected. Because at the time I said I think he'll do all right. Let's just clarify one thing: he started three Premier League games for Newcastle. Why is he not starting games? It can't be because Mike Williamson and Fabrizio Colaccini are the new Adams and O'Leary. That's for sure. But it could be because he was critical of the um, of of the owner. Because when he when he got rid of uh, Hooten, um, well, yeah, but he, he had he had many many off. games he could have been picked for under mm. Chris Hooten. Hooten was there until yeah, uh, and that's true. That's right. He didn't even play against Stevenage in the cup on Saturday, mm. which is traditionally mm. a game where you play the women's team if you could. Mm. I mean, obviously that turned out as well as it did for Newcastle. But so uh, where did this rumor come from that he's going to? It was lazy on? journalism putting two and two together mm. and getting twenty six. Yeah, I think it's not reality. I don't think it's reality. Is it anyone in our? Reserves or you team centre halves that are meant to be up and coming. What's well, that guy on the bench on a Ignacy Mikel. I've never heard of it. Some dude was on the bench on Saturday. Well, well, how, Howie Nordweit's been sold to Borussia Mönchengladbach. It was a useful use of one and a half million pounds for a club so parsimonious as us. Um, and we lost money on that deal, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, Ignacy Mikel's captain of the reserves. He was on the bench on Saturday. I've I've never so much as seen him. I couldn't pick him out of a line. I could think I might go for him. He is, he is quite highly rated, actually. I mean, he's the captain of the... Uh, it's the youth team, I think, he's the captain of. But then again, the youths are the reserves, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but then again, if he was that good, we would have seen him already in the Carlin Cup. So he's obviously not ready. Um, I mean, that's one thing about football today which I kind of don't like so much. Because, you know, when I was first going regularly in the 80s, you did actually used to see youth team players get a little shout you know it wasn't like this big squad of players which never let a youngster through the the real squad was about 16 or 17 players so you didn't have a player for every position Mm. and sometimes you'd get a Mickey Thomas suddenly pop up 
you know, you get a player coming in who you've never heard of. He played two or three games. You thought we've got a player here, or even like a like a Neil Heaney. Now the last time I remember it happened was someone like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, no, Gary Gilbert was it? Yeah, right the one back there. He looked useful, then got mm. injured. But you know. it also, it's going back to your point, like, even back in the nineties, you had players like you know your um, Heaney's, I just mentioned, or your Hilliers, or your Campbells. Mm. Well, sometimes selling. they worked, other times they, yeah, they didn't work. Mm. But it was fun though, wasn't it? Watching it was good. Get, get it was chance. good because you felt like the well, Kevin Campbell was the big one, wasn't he? In the early in the yeah. early nineties, you know, yeah. th- this guy yeah. couldn't stop scoring for the reserves. Let's see him. Let's see him. But yeah. in this, this world of saturation media coverage yeah. of football, you know about fourteen-year-olds. But to a lesser extent, Hilly, I mean, even though his career tailed off and had a lot of problems, mm. that latter half of the season when he won the championship in 91, mm. he came into the team, steadied the ship, but looked like a really great young prospect. Yeah. And then he kept stealing people's baggage yeah. at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> it had a sad ending to the story, but, um, but for a while, it was exciting, wasn't it, when old Hilly burst Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, I've got like nowhere. I think the last one was uh, that sort of comes to memory. Mark was, um, Flats. <laughs> Mark apparently slept with his eyes open. Mark, Mark Flats used to sleep with his eyes wide open. Go away. No, seriously, I, I can't remember who his roommate was, but someone mentioned uh, he sleeps with his eyes wide open. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, I remember, do you remember Graham Barrett, the Irish centre forward? Yeah, the one that did the race. No, was he the race? That's Reese Murphy. Graham yeah. Barrett was a keeper that did the rake. Graham uh, uh, Stack was oh, accused and yeah. subsequently acquitted of a serious sexual assault for our legal department. Anyway, the, the, the other the other rumour that I think it's a question of when rather than if is Manuel Almunia uh, is uh, likely to depart. Sorry, Dave, to so, uh, the back for your one that German dude, yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Arsenal, if you're listening, Per Mertesacker, eleven okay. million pounds. I mean, look, Wal- Wolfsburg are in the bottom half of the of the Bundesliga. Um, Zeko's left. It's a bit of, you know, Tim Visa, the goalkeeper, is likely to leave and go to Bayern Munich. It's a bit... Um, How old is he, this player? No, it's like 27, 50 caps. And was he, like, 11 grand? Like 11 grand, 11, 11 million, million pounds, apparently, yeah. That's right, isn't it? I'd mm. take him. Yeah, mm. okay, yeah, me too, me too. Done. We want, we want, we want we need Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> so it, it looks as though Manuel Armini is on his way to Galatasaray or Real Malaga. Um... But so, something else that, that, that kind of concerned me was Vito Minone's loan to Hull has been extended to the end of the season, leaving us with just Fabianski and Chesney. And as, as Wenger showed on Saturday and in the, the Carling Cup ties, and he, even when Fabianski was injured, Old Trafford uh, had to sit on the bench. It's clear that he has no faith in uh, Damian Martinez, um, James Shea or Sean McDermott, our three younger goalkeepers. Um, so, do we expect Wenger to bring in a safety keeper like he did with uh, Guillaume Vamuts back in 2004? Do you remember him? No. Yes. French goalkeeper came and, came and sat on the bench for about eight games. No, I remember Rami Shaban. Rami Shaban. <laughs> Marpoon. Marpoon. That was, yeah. Do we expect Wenger to bring in a sort of 36, 37 year old goalkeeper to tie things over, Kev? I think he will try and wing it with two keepers. Ooh! Crazy. Even with Flavio Roma available I mean, the, on a free the, transfer the chances, from AC Milan. The chances of two keepers both getting injured are slim. So it will take the gamble. What one one's in act and the other the other one famously broke both his arms trying to do too many weights uh, at London Colney. He wasn't tweeting much after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tw- Twitter rather than Twitter. I think in that respect. Um, so no, I do not expect a keeper to be signed before the summer. Although in the summer, I would either like Chesney to be promoted or to him for him to actually improve the position by buying someone decent. There's a question about Chesney. Of course you can. What do you think of his pink kit? 
I, don't I think it's brilliant, and I'll tell you why. Because it's the Peter Check theory. It is basically it, it makes him look bigger in in the goal. And uh, what wearing pink? It, sub yes. Schmeichel used to wear bright colours, I think, from memory. Mm. Um, subconsciously, the, the presence of this huge blob of colour in the goal <laughs> to opposition strikers does actually make them think the keeper is bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, short of, of wearing giant comedy clown gloves, there is no other way of achieving that effect. And I think it works. You know, I think it makes them more imposing, more frightening, more of a presence... So that if, if you're, you're going up for a corner, in the corner of your eye, there's this shock of pink is coming at you. You're going to think <laughs> twice before you get the header in, and by that time, he's cleared the ball away with his fist. All, I'm taking, all, I'm, all yeah. I'm taking from that is Kev wants us to sign Gok Wild in Is it Mr. Steve Ashford also has his theory that the reason why Czech is also so good is that thing he wears on his head gives him an extra two inches in my eye. Bollocks. <laughs> That's <laughs> classic Ashford wind-up, I'm right. Steve's been trying to convince me about his extra two inches for longer than I can't remember. <laughs> uh, the, the other, uh, coming to you now, Joe, the other rumour that's sort of circulating that um, is one of those very, very, very um, spurious things that surely can't be true because it's too fanciful. It's um, reports that Wolfsburg want to use £11 million of their Edin Zeko money or, you know, let's hope their Per Mertesacker money to buy Danielson, or that even more fanciful, that he could be the subject of a transfer tug of war between no less than Barcelona uh, if they can't get Cesc Fabregas in the summer. Um, would you let our, uh, our, Mazzilli- uh, our uh, Brazilian wow. midfield ta- uh, talisman, the man I once described as Brazilian, only in the sense that he's a cunt with neatly trimmed hair, um, go so cheaply, or would you want to uh, retain his um, <coughs> services? When you said cheaply, did you say £11 million? £11 million. Pounds. Wow, I will take it, because you're never going to get... You're joking, You're never going to get a bid of £11 million pounds for somebody like Danielson. I mean, Danielson's worth £5 million maximum. He's the full How much did we, did, did we pay £7 Was it £7 I million? think it was... Three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half. Oh, right. oh, well, then we make a decent profit. If we sell him for five, I'll be really happy with that. Although, I must say, he did he did put in a reasonable shift in the last game, apart from giving away a penalty. Which oh, yeah, it was shocking. A, a blot on the on It's the slightly disconcerting if you're a Premier League footballer and you can't defend against Leeds. All I, also, what particularly yeah. pleased me was um, I, I did put myself through it again and watch the highlights on ITV1 on Sunday morning. Uh, and uh, it did make me laugh when Clive Tilsley said, uh, despite making Arsenal, despite Arsenal making nine changes to their first team, they are still able to field ten full internationals. Except and Danielson. <laughs> um, yeah, on that note, um, it was interesting to read um, in, in the Barcelona interest story that their perception of Danielson is that he doesn't give the ball away. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean. Kev, don't say anything, they might be listening. Senor Laporta, es muy buen jugador, sí. I mean, okay, occasionally, you know, he makes two and three yard passes and the ball does reach an opponent. But statistically, I'm not completely convinced he's, he's quite that um, complete. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of these stories are, as David has mentioned, lazy journalism. And uh, the idea of Danielson signing for Barcelona. Um, it's difficult to really get your head around that one. Well, he'd be lucky. He'd be lucky to get into the Bolton team, quite honestly. Well, it would be brilliant if he does sign for Barcelona and becomes his world great. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be brilliant, Mark. <laughs> that'd be fan fucking tastic. Yeah. Just like your theory about Nicholas Bender going to win the World Cup of the Year in a couple of years. Nicholas Bender. More chance of that happening with Danielson. I, 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 Nicholas I Bender is going to win the World Football Review. But he said by the time he's thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. In, in, All right. In and you know, strikers take a long yeah. time to develop. 
But you see when Chesney, which was going back to our keeper, absolutely bored at the Nilsson. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's what I love. He gave him a right rollicking. It was superb. Keeper. He and will actually give it verbally in the way that the great keepers will. Do you, not, did you, do you notice Fabregas even came out on the post-match interview and he was slagging off Denilson without mentioning yeah. his name. He said uh, we shouldn't be giving away penalties like that. Oh, but clearly he was talking about Denilson. I, I, I can't help but think that with the, the Chesney over Fabianski situation is that Wenger's quite aware of the fact that he's got the new Ica Casillas. But... Um, we, we on this podcast have shown that we're very harsh, mean bastards. And whilst we've all got great hopes for this guy, all it needs is one Tim Flowers over the shoulder or uh, one Massimo Taibi through the legs and something will be, should have spent the fucking money on Rainer. Venger out, you bastard. You know, I mean, maybe he's looking to protect him from the likes of us. I think we give him more of a chance, though. I think we know what he's capable of. He earned his stripes at Brentford. We've seen him play four first-team games now, and a bit of bad kick in the side hasn't let us down yet. Mm. So if he does have a bad game, he's almost, he's almost due a bad game being so young, and I reckon he'll probably get the benefit of the doubt. The problem with Fab, uh, old Fab, Fabianski had was he was shit from the very start. So when you, your first and second and third games are a bit shit, then you're like a lost to nothing. Whereas Chesney has almost proved that he's ready and ready to go. I think he's due a bad game. I, I think, in all fairness, his attitude is what has convinced people. Yeah. Now, he has been making mistakes. Hmm. He does often pass the ball to the opposition in our half and, and open the team up to the chance of just being lobbed straight back over his head. He's got away with it, but people are aware he's yeah. making mistakes. But because he will compete and shows that he really cares... People are prepared to not get on his back and forgive him. The difference with Fabianski is he will not clatter into a huge group of players so determined to get the ball, whereas Fabianski will go in, which is what you yeah. want from a keeper who's going to dominate his area. Yeah, Fabianski, you just can't dominate the six-yard box at all. I mean, the ball's dying over his head and he's... I don't know he's what he's doing. He's kind of dancing on the spot. He is not owning his territory. Chesney owns that area. Mm. And woe betide you if, A, you're on his team and you don't do the right thing, or B, you're an opposition player trying to get the ball, because he will be coming out to get it. And well, that's what we it, want. It's natural human reaction. I don't care if you play on Hackney Marshes or whether you play at Wembley Stadium. If a cross comes in and you're a centre-forward and you hear, Keepers! <laughs> yeah. You get out of the fucking way. And Chesney's more likely to do Fabianski goes, oh, I quite like it, but I look a bit yeah, like yeah. a Polish orphan. So here's a question, yeah. then, even though you're the kind of host, David. Why is it that we love Chesney and his confidence and the fact that he believes he's Mr Barry Bollocks, yet Barry Bender does it and we think he's a right touch? Because he backs it up <laughs> with what he's supposed to do, which is basically does his job. Mm. I'll tell you what, I, I'd love it if Wenger plays Chesney on the right wing <laughs> <laughs> for the next six months. Yeah. Shame on you all. Barry Bender's my hero. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about ups and downs. And, you know, I mean, one of the... What, you know, Chesney made his Premier League debut in... Uh, in the Manchester United game, in fact, I think it's fair to say that he and, may, and maybe Jack Wilshire are probably the only two highlights of that particular game. Um, uh, Joe, what made such a difference between the performances against Manchester United, which I think was probably your first game back in the country, and, and Chelsea, where we went from absolutely abject, uh, looking about as, as penetrative, as um, a completely impenetrable, impenetrating thing, uh, and Chelsea, where we turn into Brazil circa 1970? Well, looking at the team sheet before the Chelsea game, I have to say I was very worried. I, I couldn't see how we could win it. I just couldn't. And then when I watched the way we were passing the ball and not really making a lot of chances early on, I just thought, well, it's typical Arsenal. 
we're never going to win this game. We're going to play a lot of pretty football. We're going to pass it around them, but we're not going to penetrate. And then Chelsea are going to hit us on the break, and they're going to win this 2-3-0, or and then show how wrong you can be. So I can't, I can't really put it down to anything. I mean, when I saw the goalkeeping situation, particularly, you know how I feel about Fabianski, I won't go on about it, but I couldn't understand why it dropped this young keeper who, who performed so well against United. It seemed madness, complete madness, to drop this confident young goalkeeper. And I thought, well, maybe it's some sort of mind game that Wenger's playing with young keepers. We've seen him do it in the past when keepers have done quite well. Who's the Austrian guy we had? Alex Meninger. Uh, Meninger. He had, he had um, a few good games, and, and then Wenger dropped him to bring back Seaman. And Seaman was a great keeper, but still, he didn't deserve to come back in the team at that point. But Wenger decided to drop him, and then Meninger was never the same again after. And I was, I was fearful the same was going to happen with Chesney. So I was in this mode of thinking that just no way could we beat Chelsea. But I was completely wrong, and I'm, I'm so glad about that. So, quite honestly, I can't, I can't, how can you, how can you find a, a, a reason for it? Theo Walcott, the reason. Anyway, yeah, as I was going to say, Kev, I mean, uh, there's, there's a, an, ob- an obvious um, um, change to the team. I mean, notwithstanding Fabianski coming in uh, to take his place as number one ahead of Chesney. I mean, the other big change, uh, and I remember as you, you took your seat next to me, um, you said, what's the team? And I said, he's lost the fucking plot. Uh, he's dropped Arshavin for Walcott. He's playing. Uh, he's dropped Skilachi for Koscielny. The only man whose head is completely identical if you split it down the middle. Uh, seriously, take a mirror and stick it on either side. It's, it's a peculiar thing. I'm not convinced he's human. But, um, yeah, I mean, Theo Walcott came in. and um, Well, it wasn't a one-man display, but he was superlative, wasn't he? He was. And additionally, you've got to also remember that neither Fabregas nor Van Persie started at Old Trafford. Good point, Kevin. Um, so I do think the reason for the improved performance was the starting eleven, in spite of what Joe thinks. Now I agree about the keeper, but the keeper's a unique position. But overall, I mean, the players that went out were some of the underperforming ones, and the big players came in. Now Walcott replaced Arshavin, so basically, what I saw come in was a bit of drive and a bit of a problem that Chelsea didn't know what to do with, especially as Ashley Cole got a yellow card in the first half. I mean, that, that was a very game-turning moment. Additionally, you've got Fabregas and Van Persie. Now, Van Persie, he hasn't been scoring, but as was mentioned to me after the game, he really works in terms of position. If you watch yeah. his kind of, um, whatever the Guardian chalkboard does on where people mm. pass, he is all over the the pitch basically he is so mobile it's untrue and it's it's a kind of a bit like Bergkamp used to be you sometimes don't realise quite how much a player gives to the team simply because they don't score but totally as, as as a linking player Van Persie's intelligence and and this is the reason he would be world class if he wasn't injured half the time um, brings so much to Arsenal so so basically from for my money Walcott Arshavin, uh, sorry, Walcott, uh, Van Persie and Fabregas coming in to start made a huge change to the team and that is the reason we gelled and performed much better than we did at United which is why also it's critical that if we are going to stand a chance this season the key players do have to remain fit and start most of the matches. Can I just say this on Theo because I'm a big <laughs> fan of Theo as you know but on the day or on the night there was a, a guy standing just a couple of seats away from me and he was saying he was saying um, 
Theo, go back to Southampton just before <laughs> just before he <laughs> set up Fabregas and scored himself. So uh, the fans were were getting very um, very upset and very much on Theo's case at the time. You know, at the time when he started making the breakthrough against Ashley Cole, so the fans weren't completely on side with Arsene Wenger's selection. Me personally, I wasn't on side for different reasons, but I was happy to see Theo play. And Theo obviously does give um, Ashley Cole a few headaches. Never has a player divided opinion, I think, so much as Mr Walcott. But I, do you know what, David? I do think for all these frailties and his fallibilities, if that's a word, what he does offer in drive, in pace, the fact that he wants to have a shot, and the fact that he has got quite a good shot on on goal, makes him a player we need to have in the team for the running for the rest of the end season. I like the chap. Yes, I agree with you, Ken, that footballing brain isn't really there, but he runs with it, and he can whip in a decent ball every now and then, but he has a, got a, he's got a brilliant shot. He's got to be in the team. And we need to see, we are a different proposition. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he is frustrating as hell to watch, but the one thing he does have is some kind of spell over the opposition. They really don't know what to do with the guy. Uh, almost as much as he doesn't know what to do with the ball at times. But even so, he's like an X-factor, a whirling dervish, which sometimes reaps dividends. And if you like, a luxury we can afford, assuming we don't start Arshavin. If you play them both, yeah. you've got problems. But I think he's, he's the one player where you can say, we'll take a gamble with him. And the kid's attitude is is spot on. I mean, in terms of commitment, you know, no one's ever faulted Theo for not trying. He worked so hard defensively. I mean, they were showing clips of uh, Arsenal-Chelsea when Arshavin played and I thought, oh, maybe that's why Wenger didn't select him because there was one one game in the past where Arshavin just sort of let the guy cross the ball Mm. and that resulted in the goal. So maybe that was part of Wenger's thinking because he doesn't seem to like to to play Archivin against Chelsea? Um, well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that got me with the Chelsea game from, from where I was sitting was it's the first time in living memory I've seen uh, 11 or 14 players come off the pitch with absolutely nothing else to give, which is all I ever asked for from, from an Arsenal team, in fairness. I mean, they, they all of them covered every single blade of grass. Yeah. And uh, I think every Arsenal fan can... Uh, can see how good we are with the ball but I think that's one of the first performances I've seen in living memory when we were world class without it I remember our esteemed editor sat right next to me Kevin at the start of last season I think we, our first game was Everton at Goodison Park I think we beat them something like 5-1 and Kev said the reason why we did that I remember this Kevin you spoke to me and you said it's because Mark we pressed every single ball the Arthur players were chasing it and we were going for it and in a way wasn't that like the Chelsea game every time we had the ball I thought Kevin that's what he meant we were chasing that ball every single time and it's not really what we see every game is it well you only have to remember Arsenal against Barcelona in, in April to see what effects that can have when a team is up for it and, and, and is not going to let the opposition have any chance and if you could actually put in that kind of performance more often then um, there wouldn't be any issues in the crowd about commitments or you know desire or earning their money um, and, and when we do play like that um, it's a pleasure to watch um, the only real issue is why can't we do that more often we know we can do it we know we're capable of doing it why can't we? I mean, I'm not inspecting it every game. Physically, it probably isn't possible to do it every game, but you can certainly do it more often. And on that $64,000 question, I have to wrap things up. 
to conclude. The usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and Kev, why don't you tell us about the current edition of the Guna, which went on sale last week against Manchester City? It is issue 211 of the Guna. It includes a free occult kits calendar. Um, it will be on sale for the home games against Wigan and Ipswich. And I have to issue a personal apology at this moment to uh, one of our regular contributors, Simon Rose, because during the layout stage, um, I managed to use a template of a page and didn't put his actual text in for an article called Finders Keepers, which is available now on the website, onlineguna.com, but sadly didn't go in the issue because of my personal incompetence. So, Simon, if you're listening, my most humble... Apologies to you. does explain those and substantiate those rumours that Simon's been seen in the Mayfair Hotel with the directors of 1-0 down, 2-1 up. So thanks again to our sponsors. <laughs> I say once, I say twice, I say GuinnessShirts.com. And there's just time for our panel to bid farewell, so Mark. <laughs> Cheerio. Kevin. I hope, listeners, you've enjoyed my attempt at optimism this time around. And the returning Joe Broadfoot. Konnichiwa once more. I'm your host, David Udo, and thank you for listening. La di da di da, la di da di all good friends and joy company. Hooray! I thought that should be sorry, Sayonara. Sayonara, yeah. Yeah, but I thought Konnichiwa would do. <laughs> That's why I got kicked out of Japan. Probably. <laughs>